think I'm good. I'll tell you guys though, I'll never, I'm never going to actually listen to this podcast. I hate the sound of my own voice. Oh my goodness. So I'm just going to trust you guys to do a really good editing job. This will be, if you reconsider, right? If you reconsider listening to your own No, no, no. I don't care about, I don't care about that. I'm just saying like, if you ever decide, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. You'll never sound better than you will on this podcast. I'm just saying. are back. Happy 2020. We are amped up to kick off the 2020 season with our new year, new you with Canvas episode and some exciting news. Eddie, you had an interesting start in Canvas in 2020 and may have even gotten a big win on that New Year's resolution. Right. I This year, I've been really focused on not letting things sit in Canvas. And what I mean by that is doing something that I probably shouldn't have done uh, <laughs> and then not fixing it, right, for, for weeks or months <laughs> and just letting it happen. To set the stage a little bit, I'll take you back a few months ago. I made kind of a huge error in judgment in Canvas. I got really excited at our NQ meeting about some of the things I was I was learning and finding. Somebody had moved me to this like level up course. It's got like this first run Nintendo Mario theme, right? Tons of stuff in there. I would get all my teachers involved and we create this new course. So I was really excited about it. But instead of bringing it in as like a separate course, somehow I had checked to import into current courses. So all of my like G Suite level one training and growing with Canvas course and these other things that I had other teachers and administrators in already, I imported a new dashboard cover photo and like new modules and it it was a nightmare. (laughs) So anytime like I would talk to somebody or we would meet up um, and they'd open up their Canvas dashboard, there was this Mario staring at me, right? Every day for the last two months. I don't know. The other day I was like, you know what? Probably since, you know, my resolution is to not let things sit. I'm not going to let this sit any longer. It's time to just jump in and kind of fix it. Individually deleting every single thing that is on there. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way. Why have they not figured out how to bulk delete pages? I think that was the one that I was like, there's 900 pages and now I have to go in and individually delete each one, right? So I Googled bulk delete pages in Canvas and up pops this link in like a Canvas document in Canvas admins on Google. I click the link immediately. A name pops out at me. It's James Jones, the James Jones, right? So Kona talked about her husband who creates all of these amazing scripts and some like programming backend stuff that will allow you to do some crazy things. These canvancements that James Jones is, you know, known for has created a script in Google Sheets that will allow you to basically bring in to the Google Sheet, and then you can make changes inside the Google Sheet and save it. It will save those back to your Canvas course. It's amazing. It's incredible. I remember sitting at home and going, oh, man. I, my life has now been saved by James Jones. It finally happened. And I was just so excited. Huge shout out. And we'll put the link in the show notes so our listeners can kind of find where that's at. I felt like that was just an incredible thing that happened. Canvancements, look them up. It was incredible. When a person says there's got to be a better way, that's like fundamental to so much of what we do in education. There must be a better way. And then there are people that take that next step. And then there are probably people that don't. There must be a better way. Eddie goes and searches. And then there's also those people like James who there must be a better way. Let me create it. Right. Which is amazing. Um, So that's super cool. And I know that you mentioned it on Twitter and there's been a, a 
uh, high interest in, in finding that and, and connecting. So that's really awesome. So Marcus, what about you? Do you have any resolutions you're willing to share with our audience for 2020? Uh, I do actually. And it kind of references back to uh, something I tweeted recently. And uh, I even talked about it on this podcast, the Canvas app. I am actually teaching a technology class this semester, eighth grade technology. And so that has given me an opportunity to get back into Canvas on a day-to-day basis uh, as a teacher. I've been functioning every day in Canvas as an administrator. I'm in, I'm in like four instances of Canvas, um, both as teacher and as student in, in a few. I was like, okay, now I get, I'm getting back in, I'm getting reacclimated and building content for my, everything I'm doing in classes in Canvas every single day, um, even though I am face to face with them. And so I was like, let me, let me revisit the app. I've been critical. I can own that. Um, But I went back to the app. I downloaded both the student and the uh, teacher app, Uh, got myself logged in. And oh, man, it it is slick so far. Everything. And I haven't gotten anything too crazy yet. I'm just I'm dipping my toe just today was looking and boom, there's my notification. And kind of like what Allison talked about, uh, there's my notification and the to do list. It's like, hey, you've got 16 assignments to grade. And I'm like, oh, well, that's great, but also, oh, thank you, I think. But yeah, I mean, I, I just dig that. And it just goes along with sort of the the philosophy here that we're all walking around with these amazing devices, you know, in our pockets, in our purses, whatever. And this is just another way for me as a person who's mobile within the corporation, I can constantly be able to check in and get notified of things that are happening. If a student sends me a message, it's an immediate thing. I don't have to wait even to get back to the office or to get to Wi-Fi. Is this an appropriate time to tell our listeners about what might be happening this summer? Or we have some details, I think, that we might be able to share. (laughs) I can't believe I, I know. I can't believe you're letting me do it. Listeners, our Twitter fam, our Canvas fam, we have been holding on to this for, for a bit of time. And we are super stoked uh, to let the big news out into the world that the Canvas casters, Eddie and Marcus, we are going to be at InstructureCon 2020 in Nashville. It is <laughs> happening. It is happening. Not just hitchhiking. We're there and we're going to be doing some podcasting while we're there. We'll be involved. And so we're super excited. We will be at InstructureCon. We will be involved. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. It will be my first InstructureCon. I've been using this thing for a long, long time. I can't wait to go to this kind of event, you know, a national conference with a tool that and a platform that we just absolutely love. I just I just want all of my Canvas fam to be in one place and be able to meet everybody. And we couldn't thank sending home that message to people that matter, you know, and now we get to we get to say that it's going to be a thing and we're excited to be at InstructureCon. Now, also, like we've said, we can't wait for you guys to hear this episode with Allison Tercio yes. from Siena College, someone that is absolutely brand new to the Canvas platform. So she's my people, but also <laughs> she is an absolute Jedi in the marketing network industry. She speaks to knowing your audience and engagement. It translates into education and creating your thing. It's all so, so good. So here it is, Allison Tercio from Siena College on the Canvas Casters podcast. (laughs) 
it's the new year. We're so excited to introduce our next guest on the podcast, Allison Tercio. Now, Allison is the current director of digital strategy and an instructor of marketing at Siena College. She leads the content strategy and social media team. She is the Siena brand for prospective students and parents and manages all their marketing campaigns. Allison also teaches digital marketing in a hybrid format featuring hands-on lessons to prepare students for successful marketing careers. Now, what you also need to know, they are ranked fifth for social media engagement among small schools nationally. Marcus, you heard me right. That's number five. And 16th overall by Rival IQ. I don't know what that is, but it sounds very important. Maybe we'll get into it. Besides all things marketing awesome, Allison is a board member of Brightside Up. She exemplifies being a lifelong learner as she seeks to add a doctor of education to her repertoire through the Higher Education Leadership Program at Northeastern University. Allison, thank you for being on the show. On top of everything that I just said, what did I miss? Or better yet, how the heck do you do anything else? <laughs> um, I'm just very scheduled. I, I guess mostly family life keeps me pretty busy. My husband's an instructional supervisor, which is like an assistant principal at an inner city elementary school. And you guys work in K through 12, right? So you know what kind of busy schedules teachers and administrators have. So we just take it day by day. We've got two kids Camden, who will be six next month, and Callie, who's 19 months old. And aside from that, I love to read and work out. So it's my goal every year. We're talking about New Year's resolutions, right, a little bit today. And it's always my goal to read 50 books a year. Whoa. Yeah. I'm a fast reader, though. So that's what helps me get through 50 a year. Now, speed read, is it speed reader training? Are you doing some speed reader training? I never never did any training. I think I just read so much growing up that I just developed the speed for it but I still get the comprehension out of it. And sometimes it stinks because when you have a really good book, you almost want to be able to take it slow and enjoy it and savor it. But I can't do that. I just... Power I just through. plow right through. Yes. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. So on that topic, what in the past year in, in 19 did you read that really kind of grabbed you or anything out there that maybe our listeners could be thinking about adding to their book list for 2020? Yeah. So I love historical fiction. My favorite book of all time is Pillars of the Earth. So that's always the book recommendation that I give from a marketing perspective. My favorite book right now is called Marketing Rebellion. Oh, cool. So as I've never been ranked in the top five of anything like Siena Colleges. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your thought process when marketing for a college. Uh, What are the, what are your sort of the elements that you always keep in mind when, you know, doing your day-to-day marketing for Siena? For us, it really starts with understanding the audience and using data to gain that understanding. So over many, many years, we've tracked everything that we post on social media as one example. So we know what types of content our audience engages with, and that's what we really stay focused on. Yeah, there's some magic words there, I heard. A couple of things. Uh, Number one, knowing your audience. And number two, engaging. And those are two things that right out of the gate, I'm like, oh, that kind of sounds like... um, everything that any teacher is yep. trying to accomplish in the classroom. <laughs> right. um, know your audience. I say that all the time. Uh, just said it to eighth graders yesterday. You know, the engagement piece is really important. So uh, tell me about, talked about analytics and studying the history. Where's the value of, for those that are like, I just have to get more followers. Where's the value of that versus um, the value of fewer followers, more engagement? Okay, right, so let's start with, How does Facebook make money from advertising, right? And the only way that they can serve ads 
is if people are coming to their platform. And this goes for Twitter, it goes for Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, it goes for YouTube. It only works if people like what they're seeing when they sign on. So if you went on your newsfeed and nothing you saw was relevant and it was boring, you wouldn't keep coming back, right? So it's in Facebook's best interest or whatever platform you're talking about to put the best content possible in front of us. They know what type of stuff is gonna be interesting for me because of the algorithms that they've put together and they're gonna serve me the content they think that I'm going to engage with. So when you're a producer of content, that's why engagement is so important. I need to know that everything that I post is something that's going to get shared, it's gonna get commented on and liked. And you cannot build your audience if that's not where your focus is. So you've got to really focus on what's relevant for your audience, what's going to be important to them, what's going to be helpful to them. And that's how you grow the audience. It's not from um, clickbaiting or by buying likes or or any of that. You just got to stay focused on your content. It's insane. I think initially early on, because I I used to do a lot of the, and Marcus kind of did the same thing in schools where we were in charge of social media or the website because we were techie and, hey, we need somebody to start a Facebook page or put us on Twitter and, and add content. It was also interesting, like how algorithms started to change, right? It used to be chronological. Now it's not chronological anymore. You're, you're handed content based on what your interest is. And it's almost like, is there a message that marketing not only speaks to people that are in that marketing industry, but also teachers? Are you tailoring your stuff to your audience to increase engagement, right? Is that, does that transfer over? Does that message transfer? You kind of do both. Yeah. I mean, when I think about what I'm going to put into my course and how I'm developing my course, I I think about the end user. I think about the student. So if the content isn't relevant, if it's not useful, if it's difficult to find, it's going to impact the student experience, right? So you take that from how you're making the course in Canvas or whatever learning management system you're using, and then also into the classroom. So for instance, I create my in-class content, especially anything that's review-based, some something that they read about or a chapter they just did. I ask them before they ever get in the classroom, what do you understand really well? And what are you having trouble understanding? So it helps me understand what needs more clarity. And then I can create a lesson and optimize our time together based on that information. That's not set in the syllabus at the beginning of the semester. That's something that moves as we go each week into class. So I think being really responsive makes sure that everything that you're doing in the classroom is the most relevant possible, you know, and that's what they're going to engage with. It's the topics that they want to talk about. And that's what you build your lesson on. I just love that. Marcus, I'm going to do something here. We haven't talked about this, but since Uh we have, once we have her, um, so Marcus Marcus and I have started a little podcast. I don't know if you know what it's called. It's the canvas casters podcast. We need advice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on what to do next. We have we have this social media thing that we have no idea what we're doing, right? Marcus, I think we would agree that we... Yeah, I mean, we're winging. We're plugging away. So somebody that's created a thing, whether it's your students or like us, we've created this podcast. Like, what would you tell them is a good baseline social media strategy? It's going to sound redundant, but it's the same thing. It's starting with your audience and understanding the topics that they want to know about. Whether you put out a survey or you do some social listening to figure out what those topics are. And then you base your podcast themes on them and you make it really clear what the theme is for each podcast that you release. I mean, people want relevant and useful information. 
that's why content like top 10 tips and hacks are so popular. Right. So I think if you guys just keep it relevant and useful, it's going to happen. And in terms of building up a community, I really do think this new thing with starting Facebook groups um, and perhaps a Slack channel for Canvas users and educators might be one way to go. Facebook is really pouring a lot of effort into the groups. Right. I don't know if you guys are in any right now, but you'll notice how those conversations in the groups float to the top of your news feed. Your podcast and the group that you develop could become the connection for all of those people who are looking for this information. So now that you right. say that, it's it's subconscious. But now that you say that, I and Marcus, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like every time I load Facebook, the groups that I belong to are always at the top. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's always that way. I think that it's because the, none of the other platforms allow people to come together in that way. Um, Twitter has the hashtags, but it's not the same as everyone being in this sort of oftentimes private group, you know, you've been selected into it, you've had to ask to join it. There's something in asking to join something, right, that makes you more invested in what's happening in that group. You know, Instagram, same thing. It's not it's not about groups. You can follow themes, but there's no way to group people. So I think that might be one reason why Facebook is putting so much into it. It is one thing that sets them apart from the other platforms. admit it, Eddie and I have been slipping. We can own that, but we want to express our thanks to some of the most recent followers on Twitter. Give these folks a follow. Randy Fairfield, at Randy Fairfield in Washington State. Lane Worrell, at Magistra Worrell in Texas. Chrissy Massey, at C Massey 12 in Parts Unknown. Courtney Kofelt Grove at Courtney Kofelt in Pennsylvania. And last but certainly not least, Janetta Garten at Jay Garten in Missouri or Missouri or Mizzou. Thanks for the follow. Keep with us. All right, we're back with Allison. Uh, and so we've talked a little bit about the marketing side of things and we've gotten some um, some free advice, checks in the mail. But we want to transition a little bit. Now, you've recently transitioned to Canvas as your learning management system at Siena College. As someone with experience using a learning management system, both as a student and as an instructor, describe for our listeners sort of the early stages of your time with Canvas so far. I think the phrase that comes to mind is pleasantly surprised. I've used other learning management systems and honestly found them to be a bit clunky. So I was really happy to find Canvas be user-friendly. It's easy to set up. It's easy to think through what the way you want to present to the student and make that happen on Canvas. There's so many ways to do that. The guides and forums are really helpful for, for figuring out how best to do something. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Someone's already probably figured out how best to do what you're trying to do. It's just a really great community and I think a great product. In terms of being new and, you know, I'm asking this question because I'm not new. I'm <laughs> old and I'm a quote unquote OG of Canvas and, and it's the only LMS I truly have worked in the most. As a new user, 
You know, when you do have those questions, you mentioned the community and support and so forth. Sienna, are you sort of collaborating with other instructors and, and professors and so forth to, to put content together? Or do you have sort of uh, professionals that do some of that stuff for you or alongside you? Yeah, my go-to person is our curriculum design specialist, Kate. She's an absolute gem and she works with the professors to be able to develop their courses and make them really work for the students as well. So it was my first time putting a course into a learning management system and she had such great advice for how to structure it and she helped me build out the shell after we had a one-on-one -on -one meeting about my vision for how it would all get presented, all the information. So I just try to be really open to ideas though coming from anywhere. You know, I changed my due date times from midnight to 10 p.m. this semester because the director of health promotion at Siena one day was talking about how our students aren't getting enough sleep. She had just done a survey and it was one of the big concerns that she had about our student body. They're not getting enough sleep. It's not healthy. And then the other thing I tried to do based off of that idea was I estimate the number of hours each activity will take for the students so they can plan accordingly and be able to meet that due date. I just listen for ideas and I'm just kind of, I try to be open for ideas to come to me and how I can translate them to help my students. That's so intentional, Marcus. Totally agree. Like, And you said this magic word a couple of times now, listening. You said earlier in the first segment, you said social listening. And I, that was a term I'd not used before. And I'm like, ooh, I just got chills. Um, and, and so now, <laughs> again, we're referring back to that. That dynamic, though, is so important. Um, and, and my assumption is, uh, based on what you said, it's, it's important in marketing. We can verify this as all being educators. It's abundantly important in, in education, listening to uh, the students and, and really catering to those needs. And, and I love that you did the, did the listening. You were clearly introspective about that and then built uh, content and adjusted to what you were hearing to make a better overall experience for, for your students. That's outstanding. You guys just said that back to me and I thought, man, my husband is rubbing off on me. Cause that's his, that's his been his whole career. He's so focused on the students and he's really passionate about learning can happen for everybody. It might happen in different ways. His specialty is um, special education. That's just his attitude about all of it. And now I can see, I think he has inspired me big time. See, again, Eddie, this this has happened more than once it on is. the podcast. It's the I was just thinking about it. We need a name for it. The educational power couple. Yes, ed the edu <laughs> power couples. Um, because all three of us in this, in this podcast right now are married to educators. Educator <laughs> power couple, we call it. No one can use the because that's going to be a thing. It's got to be. It's got to be, but I love Facebook that. Group. You're right. There's there. a Facebook group. Yep. <laughs> the Canvas Casters Educator Power Couples. Yeah, there's absolutely. A, we are. We have. She's the power she's couples. the brains for sure. Right. <laughs> it's funny how the strategies uh, can apply from elementary age all the way up to college, because I remember last semester there was some vocabulary. The students were telling me this is all new to us. We're not really sure what all the words are meaning. And I asked my husband, well, what's what's a great activity? you know, for them to be able to understand this vocabulary, because I feel like I can't move them forward without them feeling like they understood all the words we were saying and right. what we were talking about. And he gave me some great ideas. We put, we, he had me, he told me play heads up with them. And I'm positive that he's done that <laughs> with his students all the time. And it worked. We played it for a half of a class and then everyone felt really confident about the language we were using and we were able to move forward for the whole semester with it. So that's yeah. awesome. 
So good. So good. You know, something we read recently from your Twitter account was, no, it's okay not to do everything quality over quantity. Sometimes a less is more strategy is the right one. Now, again, I think there's like not only like got me thinking about marketing and like how it's framed around what we do, but it spoke to Marcus and I in terms of education. Like, how are you finding even more of those strategies as far as like less and more and quality over quantity? Like when you're designing things into Canvas, ultimately, does your marketing brain kind of take over? Yeah, I mean, I was talking specifically about our social media content when I said that, um, because I'd much rather we post four to five times a month of our absolute best content than post 30 times a month of mediocre. Right. You know, we actually reach more people with the first strategy and, you know, it's common sense based on what I was talking about when it comes to the social media algorithms, but it does apply to the coursework as well. I try to set my course up in a way that's interactive with the student without it being overblown, right? Sometimes K, the K-I-S-S method is the way to go. Keep it simple, stupid, right? You it, Too much can just overwhelm it and and overcomplicate it. So with each activity, I think, what's the way to get this done? What's the easiest for the student? What's straightforward? What has clarity? And go with that. And then the just the flexibility on, on the content aspect. What is the student responding to? What what type of format are they working well with? And you and you can modify and transition as the course goes. You know, I don't look at my course schedule and my syllabus. My themes have to stay the same. You know, I have to accomplish the learning goals that are set forth, but I don't look at any of that as set in stone. You kind of can go with the students. I, I see myself more in a coach or guide position than than lecturer or teacher position in a way because because we're all learning this together. I learned just as much from the students, especially given that they live in this social media world, right, that, I, that I'm teaching about, um, then as, as much as they learn from me, it's more of coaching them through and guiding them through all of the information. I think that's important, especially we try to hone in on that here, which is, you know, sometimes okay to just to throw it up on the projector, throw it up on your, you know, digital display and say, okay, guys, I have no idea how to do this, but we're going to do this together. Can you help me out? Yeah. So how many times do you ask your student? I'm sure this happens a lot. Hey, guys, I'm thinking about this real cool marketing strategy that I'd like to do with Sienna. Tell me how that plays with your audience. You know, like I did that all the time with kids. We're thinking about this really cool idea for the radio station or we'd like to do this cool spot on our TV station. What? Do, how does that play with you as an audience? You know, it's almost like you have your own focus group. Yeah, definitely. I bounce ideas off of them and I've even let them create content for the college for extra credit, which is a fun bonus for them. Right. We did this little um, meme activity. Activity and I said to them, if you can come up with a meme that's for Sienna, Sienna Focus, then then I can use it and you can get extra credit. And they had some fun with that. I, I love a good meme. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the, kid, so, the one with the, you know what the one, the one with the kid who's sort of like all fired up, like, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the toddler. Yeah. One of the students. So we, we are famous at Sienna. It's chicken nugget Friday in the dining hall. And all the students <laughs> know about chicken nugget Friday. So one of the students sent me one that said with that, with that, kid who's real pumped when it's chicken nugget Friday, <laughs> you know? So I loved that it had such Sienna focus. It was a, it's a very Sienna thing. I think I could throw together some baby Yoda chicken nugget memes for you. If you're ever uh, interested. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> give them give them My 12 seconds director of digital strategy would has never missed a chicken nugget friday i think he'd really enjoy the baby yoda meme i mean combining two wonderful things nugs yeah. and baby yoda <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, uh, Allison, one of our favorite things to do uh, on each episode is to ask our guests, you know, what is in your Canvas backpack? And ultimately what that is, is what are the three things that you are finding most helpful, most useful, most impactful uh, within the LMS that you are just kind of constantly using with your students. So what's in your Canvas backpack? Okay, I'll tell you guys, but only if you tell me if anyone else has ever said these, because I'm dying to know what <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying to know what other people have said. But my first one is the mobile app. I love the mobile app. I especially love when you go on it has the to do's. That's what helps me stay up to date with grading, which can get really out of control. Everyone knows that, but it really helps me stay on task with that, which helps, you know, as we talked about in the beginning, I've got a lot of things going on in my life. I've got to stay pretty scheduled. So that helps me so much. I love that mobile app. Um, and then the course summary, the way I have my course laid out, um, I have the course summary on the main page when the students log in and when I log in. And so having everything outlined for the entire semester it's just a really beautiful thing. And then finally, my third one I decided was rubrics. They are a win-win. It allows me to make sure the expectations for each project, each assignment, each discussion are very clear for the student. And then it helps ensure consistency in grading as well. I just found find when I start going through the grade book and using that rubric, how I'm able to keep that consistency going. And I think it makes my grading really, really efficient. Absolutely. The rubrics, rubrics can be a contentious thing amongst educators Don't for start, sure. Because I'm a rubrics. Marcus knows this. I'm a rubrics guy. So you're, Allison, you're speaking my we're language. We're not going to fight about it, Eddie. We're not going to fight. Um, but yes, but what you're saying is exactly, exactly right. And I, I'd venture to say that it, it has a, uh, a huge value at the uh, higher education level because your students, frankly, are probably more aware, more critical potentially of how they're being assessed. Um, so your ability to, mm -hmm. to build that rubric and to use that within Canvas truthfully makes, assuming your rubric is, is solid enough, it makes your assessment pretty foolproof. It's, it's very cut and dry. You got a three because of what you see right there. Um, and that's that's the big, you know, that's the big selling point for for rubrics sort of across the board. The mobile app, I, Eddie, has anyone? No, so here's the thing. I was, I was going through as she was saying these. I don't think mobile app, I don't think has been talked about. It might've been mentioned. We've only talked about mobile app. We talked about it with Megan. Right. But it was, we were talking about it like at the, the early stages of the app, like when it first came out, because I'm here to tell you, Allison, when the Canvas app first came out, Absolute garbage. No offense. No, I'm kidding. We are the, kidding. We are the unofficial. We are the unofficial. We are the unofficial podcast. Um, no, it, we joke about it now. It's good. You can look back. We can reminisce about the good old days. Um, but I remember a time uh, and we talked about it with Megan that that app was it, it was a struggle. Uh, it didn't take long for it to get right. And now it's to the point now where truthfully and I love hearing you talk about how how great it is for you because we everybody. He's got a computer in their pocket or in their purse. And, and that 
app is so helpful for students, for instructors. Having that ability right there in the palm of your hand is great. Um, and, and truthfully, at this point in our setting here at a K-12, I want more. <laughs> I want more students and parents to be using that. And, and it's it's a bit of a transition. But, you know, I'm banging the drum for the app because it has improved so much. I think she went three for three. I don't know if any of those had really been talked about. I don't. Oh, in wow. Outstanding. So way to go. Outstanding. Allison <laughs> rocked it. That was awesome. Uh, <laughs> Allison, we often talk to our guests about what brought them into education. Now, sometimes through our journey, it's about who helped us get there right along the way. So maybe a shout out to some individuals that are either currently helping you or that have inspired you along your journey through education? Heck yes. I love a good shout out. The problem is that I have so many <laughs> people that I'd want to shout out. I mean, I'm so I'm so blessed because I've had so many teachers in my life and there are amazing professors here at Siena. And one of those professors is Dr. Mike Pepe. And he also teaches the digital marketing course here. And he would invite me to come present to his class quite often on what we're doing with Sienna's marketing, which was an amazing opportunity. And his syllabus was the foundation for mine. So he's an amazing professor. All the students want to take his class. I wish I could take class with him. And he is really inspiring for me. Uh, another I know. And another group that I wanted to shout out was the professors of the social media professors group on Facebook. Now, I don't only teach social media. I just do a unit on it because there's so many other aspects of digital marketing from paid search to websites to email. What they're doing with their classes, especially in terms of hands-on learning, is really inspiring. And then my husband, CJ, I was talking about him earlier and his, his specialty being special education. And he's really passionate about, passionate about using different learning methods and approaches, meeting students where they are. And he's a great sounding board for me, even though he's an, at the elementary school level as an administrator, he is still a great sounding board for what I'm doing in the college sphere as well. So who else are you also following on Twitter that you would recommend our listeners give a follow? Yes, yeah, so I think anyone who's interested in learning about what's happening in higher ed and college admissions should follow Jeff Salingo from the Chronicle of Higher Education. He's at Jeff Selingo, S-E-L-I-N-G-O. I think if you're into just kind of understanding marketing, that, that book I mentioned earlier, Marketing Rebellion, is written by Mark Schaefer. And so he has some really awesome thoughts about, especially if you kind of buy into my idea of staying focused on your audience. This is the guy who's got that down. Allison, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. Uh, my mind is blown with marketing <laughs> and learning. In fact, I'm just, I knew that this was going to be such a good episode because everything that happens, I believe in the marketing world is happening now in the learning and teaching world when it comes to student engagement. And you bridged the gap so well this episode. I know our listeners are just totally. going to get a ton out of uh, what you've said today. So thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Thank you guys for having me. And remember, before we go, we don't work for Canvas. Canvas works for us. Yeah.